Hi, I'm Nate from Colorado. And I'm James from London via Scotland. And I'm Rochella in North Carolina. And we're Friends in Formation, a podcast where three very different friends take listener questions about life and faith with the goal of listening and learning and going deeper with God. We are so glad always to hear from you. So email us at friends at renovari.org. That's the word friends at R-E-N-O-V-A-R-E dot org. We always love to hear from you. And today we have some interesting questions to tackle. One of you guys have one to start us? Oh, I believe I do. This one comes to us from Betsy. Why are so many of the people involved in spiritual formation endeavors between the ages of 50 and 70? Are we catering to that age group by the logistics or nature of our opportunities? How significant is the factor of maturity? Is this just part of the rhythm of life? We have more available time in different stages of life. I like this one. I've heard it from people before. What do you guys think? I guess I haven't quite picked up that it was involving that's the age group i mean i certainly do think i meet people in that age group but i meet people in other age groups as well i was speaking at an event last week with a group of people way below that age group and the whole conference was about spiritual formation so i i guess i'm not as familiar with that issue because of some of the other groups I'm involved with. Um, so I don't know. There's a younger authors coming along. I mean, the popular books by John Mark Comer and by uh, Rich Philodus. So I, I, I'm interested that it seems to me that a new generation seems to be coming through, but um, maybe I'm not keeping up with it all. Or maybe you're keeping up with it more than most of us are keeping up with it, James. <laughs> it's interesting, I think, that she said spiritual formation endeavors. And so I'm wondering if if maybe there are particular things that she's involved in that tend to attract people between the ages of 50 and 70. I, I think she has a point about rhythms of life. I mean, it right. is true that generally speaking, by the age of 50, maybe... For instance, folks who have decided to have children, generally speaking, you're past the busy, busy, busy infant and toddler stage by the time you get to be between the ages of 50 and 70. If you're not, then you got a lot more energy than I ever had. (laughs) So maybe there is something about that rhythm of life. Maybe there's more availability among people when they reach a particular age. But then on the other hand, I have found that in many ways I've gotten busier as I've gotten a little older. So so that might not necessarily be the question. Maturity certainly plays a part in everything. And yet I'm I want to be careful about assuming that that maturity in years equals maturity in spirit. Because I, I don't think that's true. I think wisdom Faith and wisdom are gifts from God. And I have many young friends who are so wise and so interested in matters of the spirit, matters of the heart. So, hmm, Nate, come on now. (laughs) As the uh, representative under 50. um, (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Although not far, not far at all. 
I, I remember about 10 years ago, I was talking with some publishers and they spoke very, um, there was like a certainty of that the only people that cared about formation stuff were older people. And it was, it was, mm. it was like, it was a, you know, closed discussion. And I found that really interesting, which actually may speak a little to what's, you know, uh, marketing and such, if, if, if that's what, you know, publishers are assuming. I think there is, I mean, there's something to a question in the sense that, you know, as you get older, you have often, not always have more availability with time and more uh, uh, resources for attending things. Cause I think it's safe to say that, at, you know, retreats and conferences to be, typically people are older, but uh, more discretionary time or income probably has something to do with that. Mm-hmm. I think there's something to reaching a point in life where, where you kind of go, Oh, Oh, is it, is this it? <laughs> I thought there would be more and, and not just in life, but, but also in, in Christian life. And that often is a, is a doorway for people of, you know, looking for something more. And then in that, the desires to go deeper in life with God and, and kind of placing some of this as uh, real significant, important in, in one's life. I would push back in the sense that it doesn't need to be there. And right. uh, I just speak for myself. I discovered devotional classics. I think I was 18. Now, yes, that certainly had something to do with my dad, but I didn't care about his stuff at all. In fact, I didn't want anything to do with it. Right. You know, he was involved <laughs> in, but that, that little book just messed with me. And I found it, I mean, in, in the, I don't think it's a stretch to say that it sort of saved faith for me because I was quite burned just didn't really, I, I went to a different church than my parents. Things were getting old quite quickly. And so to see that there was a depth that just made me go, oh, oh, this, this goes much further. It was quite attractive to me. Now, I didn't understand things very well, but uh, it drew me in for, for sure. I'm also, I'm encouraged by Generation Z, which would be the one after millennials. They're very honest and they're mm-hmm. not playing games. They want depth and they seem to have very little interest in a religion that doesn't function well or, you know, bring meaning significance to one's life. And so my encounter with, with younger people is, is a deep hunger. Certainly wouldn't limit it to older folks. That's a good question. It's a good question. I would agree with you, Nate, in terms of my interaction with, with younger people. I do think that actually one of the reasons I hate to say this, but I believe it to be true. One of the reasons that many young people are leaving their churches is because they are looking for something deeper. Mm-hmm. And they've been what they've been served at church, come to find out, is actually not meeting the deep needs of the soul or is not addressing deep questions. In the worst case, maybe what they've been served at church serves more as a supporting a particular political stance or just taking on one issue rather than addressing the deep, deep needs of of the soul. So I would agree with you. I think younger people are really looking for the soul's growth in Christ. And they are looking for mentors. So I don't want to say that um, attracting younger people is is the only thing we should be concerned about. I think younger people are looking to us older folks because, boy, am I squarely in the category she mentions. But I'm having coffee this week with a a young man who's about the age of one of my sons. 
but he wants to talk about deep things. That's the reason he has sought out the opportunity to have coffee. Mm-hmm. Not because he thinks I'm cool. I'm not cool. Oh. But oh, I have oh, some. Oh, oh, <laughs> Bite your tongue. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> Can I just pick up because it does remind me of the classic book. It's it's 20 years old, probably maybe 25 years old, uh, a book called As Stages of Faith by James mm-hmm. Fowler. You probably know it. That's it, It's a slightly controversial book because it implies, well, it, what does it imply? It, it's talking about people going through different you know, stages in their faith. I, in, in some ways, I think it's a secular version of The Interior Castle by Teresa of Avila. But either way, they're trying to say you move from the, the room to the room. You, you move through different stages. I think the weakness of the stages of faith book is that it implies one stage is more advanced than, than the others, which I, I hesitate to say that. I'm not convinced with that. But either the stages of faith or the Teresa's, the castle, that interiority, you move from the room to, I just wonder whether that's a helpful understanding of why older people might be more pulled in. But as I say, as you're saying, I find a younger age group really hungry, really hungry. Mm-hmm. And, and often when the parents aren't actually that there's a freshness in their interest that isn't there. Okay, something just occurred to me as you guys were talking. A a friend of mine who leads retreats did an intentional retreat that had like 16-year-olds and 60-year-olds and Mm -hmm. and talked about just how rich it was for them to learn and hear from each other. I I wonder if some of this is that we've, you know, kind of bifurcated, the right word, Mm -hmm. with age and just not thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, Teenagers or young people have to have their thing and older people theirs. That maybe some of it's just being intentional of welcoming. Yes. Well, you know, I think about how at Renovari we talk about the different streams of Christian tradition and that we we learn from one another. Mm-hmm. We don't, you know, we don't cut out any voices. I think you're right, Nate. Maybe sometimes we have cut out the youngest voices assuming we don't have a lot to learn from them, even though we know good and well that our children have so much to teach us. But maybe we've categorized it differently, and we shouldn't have done that. Children have a lot to teach us about joy, about faith, Mm. about wonder, about worship. And that's all stuff of spiritual formation, isn't it? Yeah. That all goes into our formation into Christ-likeness. Okay, I have a question here, Margie, from Queensland, Australia. And I'm going to wow. read that. I know, I'm going to read <laughs> the whole of it out because I just think it's very well put. I really enjoy 
listening to friends' information and especially appreciate the authenticity of the answers. It is so comforting that other people have the same struggles and joys. Here is my question. Would you or have you ever prayed for God to disturb you? Interesting. I think that God does a pretty good job of doing that in his own time without me praying for it. Yeah. <laughs> but I am starting to wonder if I'm becoming too comfortable and I need a bit of shaking up. I would describe myself as a recovering perfectionist, achievement-oriented, workaholic, Enneagram 3, and God has been transforming my life for the last 12 years until I can now say that I am mostly living simply, slowly, and still. I do enjoy my slower life. Who wouldn't? And I'm very keen to let life just unfold instead of jumping ahead. But maybe I'm being called to pray, disturb me, Lord, to dare more boldly to venture on wilder seas. That's a quote from Sir Francis Drake. I like this very much. And the poem, I think, is very important. And it's a favorite of mine, which maybe we'll have a chance to read at the end here, perhaps. Mm -hmm. So any thoughts on that? Should we pray the Lord to trouble us or to disturb us? <laughs> I haven't that I know of. I found that I found that life does a decent job at uh, disturbing and disrupting <laughs> my life. What I hear in this is is an openness. Well, let me back up. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be a specific call to pray that, mm -hmm. but it, at its heart is an openness to receive what God has. Wow, what a question. First of all, I would have to say, no, I don't think I've ever actually prayed that. So to answer that one question, I don't, I don't think I've ever asked about that. But she's definitely got me thinking. Number one, I would say, golly, I'm so proud of you and jealous of you. I, I, I wish my life had a little bit more stillness in it right now. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> but I hear in her question a genuine ask. Is this something I should pray about? And it seems my first inclination is to say, maybe ask God, should I pray about this? <laughs> and that's something you're really good at that, Nate. I, I, I have been in conversations with you where you say, well, no, I think that's a matter of prayer. Another one of our friends, Juanita Rasmus, will always, even in public prayer, will say, God, what do you want us to ask? And I appreciate that because I always, I think, feel a burden that I'm supposed to come to prayer already knowing what I'm going to say to God. Like, I, I should have this planned out rather than coming with a humble posture of, God, is this something I should be concerned about? Could mm. you could you help me know what actually to ask for here? Mm. Do you guys know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. I do. I love that. And it's just a wonderful place to start because that is a very serious prayer to pray. Mm -hmm. Because if that is answered, you know, <laughs> buckle up. However, <laughs> however, we know where that'll go. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a longing for depth. That's, a, that's an open hands that's just really, really beautiful. Mm -hmm. I and mean, maybe that, that's the piece that strikes me about this question is just an openness to receive what God has to give. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to uh, always have my own way. I don't have to manage, um, but I'm here and, I, and I'm open. I, I, I like that. There's something really beautiful in that. 
I mean, personally, I've found life has disrupted my life or disturbed me enough. <laughs> I don't need more. Um, but to be okay with what comes and not grasping on to, because that's a question of I want, I want to receive what you have to give and I want to grow. I love that. I think that for some, I mean, I would catch just a little of, of, of her comment about perfectionism and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it may be even a little guilt that, that life is going well. And, and I think there can be for some of us that, you know, driven towards achievement that, you know, you never stop and just to kind of, mm-hmm. and, and then for many of us, the Christian life is synonymous with misery or, or like just having to do things we don't like or pushing ourselves. So I think that that's a significant piece to me of if this ties into a personality and a um, more than a openness or a longing to be receptive. We can read the poem in a minute because I think that will help us. But I have prayed this prayer mm. in two circumstances. One is when life is easy and mm-hmm. I've and I'm worried that I'm not as, I don't know, not as hungry as I might be. So I have, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to make a judgment here on this. I'm just telling you when I have, so you can tell me I shouldn't have. But I I have, there been periods, you know, I do need to, I want to, I want to pursue more. Because hardship does, we do grow. We wish we didn't. I wish I could become the person I want to be, or I think God wants me to be. But it doesn't come without some hardship, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish it mm-hmm. could. And the other time is when I'm in a difficult spot. I will sometimes say, Lord, if you want this, then I want to stay in this place. If you've got something special for for me, I'm open. I mean, it's the same point you're saying. I'm, you know, open to that. So I sometimes say, I don't want this to continue. I don't want this hardship to continue. But if disturbing me is what I need, and there's something that can come out of it, something beautiful for God, then um, I want it. And I don't say that lightly, and I'm sure I don't say it with my whole heart, but I do sometimes say it. One of the reasons is that the ancients used to say this. I mean, some of the great saints of the church would would put themselves in a place of a struggle, would deliberately put themselves in a place, which is, I wonder how similar that is to this. Someone like Teresa of Hesur, she um, would deliberately do that and others. So mm-hmm. I'm just intrigued, really, with it all. I'm, and tell me, what do you, you all think mm-hmm. about that? There is at a, at a core to the question, if I really believe God is good yeah, and loving, intimate, you know, that, I mean, that's maybe a prerequisite behind that. Mm. I'm free to pray that if right. I believe that God has my, mm-hmm. my best good. And with the well, scope why? of eternity, then mm-hmm. the, the suffering on this side is, mm-hmm. compared to 10,000 years, is quite small. Right. And the treasure that comes from, that can come from, yeah. uh, is so, just some yeah. gifts you can only get through. Yeah. One thing I have prayed that may be part of what she's asking about, and that is that I would care about what God cares about. 
Mm-hmm. That what breaks God's heart would break my heart. Mm-hmm. That what pleases God would please me. And I think that sometimes we will be led. We will be led to greater, what was it that she quoted from um, Sir Francis Drake? We will be led to dare more boldly to venture on wider seas Mm -hmm. if we're concerned about what God is concerned about, that Mm -hmm. that there will be no no choice in the matter of venturing more widely if we really do want to do what God wants done. So in some ways, just praying the Lord's Prayer, which I do every day, (laughs) and I, and I, I actually personalize it. I will say, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But I also ask for God's will to be done just right in my life, in my, in my kitchen, in my bedroom, in my car, in my city. And if what I'm asking is for God's will to be done, it may be that He will get me out of my kitchen and out of my yard. <laughs> or it may be that He'll have me here. So in some ways, that could involve venturing on wider seas. Or it might not. I'm reminded of, um, I think your idea is good, James, just maybe to read the whole poem, because I don't know how many people know it. Let's do that. Let's do that. But before we do that, there's another song I want to mention. And guess what, guys? This is not a hymn. This is not an old hymn, right? (laughs) (laughs) This is, this is, I know, right? But this is a, this is a newer song by Rich Mullins. Yes. who was a good friend of our of our own Carolyn Aaron's and Jim Smith's he wrote a song about God called hard to get and there's one line from that song that just really bops itself around my head a lot he says i can't see where you're leading me unless you've led me here where i'm lost enough to let myself be led hmm. interesting yeah Here's the poem. Okay. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we have sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to fade. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wilder seas where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land, we may find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the future in strength, courage, and hope and love. Mm. Mm. That's so good. Yeah. So good. Well, that's it, isn't it? To push into the future in strength, hope, courage, and love. Yeah. We can only have that together, right? None of us gets that all by himself or herself. 
That's what we find in community. Hmm. And speaking of that, you know, guys, over these months, we have gotten so many reader questions about being tired and wondering how to rest. We've had people say that they felt like thin soup. We had someone say that they they felt like they had too much bread and not enough butter. Um, how 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 to have boundaries? How to have limits? How to take Sabbath? And we've also gotten a lot of people to to tell us that they appreciate that we have honest conversations. We're like not one of us is not the expert holding forth for the others. <laughs> we're yes. we're talking about these things. And I think now would be a good time for us to have one of those honest conversations about real life, because the truth is, we're facing some, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are. Each of us, in our own way, have got some family health concerns, and it's funny they parallel. Although we're friends, um, actually, we've got similar things going on. So yeah, we we want to just be aware of that with each of us. It is amazing that we, the three of us, are so different in many ways. We're, we're united by our love of Jesus, and yet we are very different. <laughs> it's one of the reasons we say Nate in Colorado, James in London, but I mean, even that, you're not James in London right now, are you? You're, you used to be James, <laughs> James in London. I'm aware at the moment. Yeah, Rochelle in North Carolina. It's because we are so different, and yet life holds some real similarities for all of us. I mean, there are just there are times of trial and times of challenge, and it's like the third chapter of Ecclesiastes brought to life. Here we are. We're living it. <laughs> to everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Right now, we're facing a hard time. James is right. I mean, there's family health issues for each of us that are really significant. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, these are not mm-hmm. small things. Mm. So with much prayer, deliberation and pain, um, we it, it seems like the next right step for us to take a hiatus uh, with the podcast and and discern what happens next. Is that the way to say it? That's a really good word, Nate, to discern what happens next. Yeah. Discernment is a spiritual gift, but discernment is also something that we need to practice. And I'm not sure that very many of us are used to practicing discernment. Mm. Can you unpack that a little bit? What does that mean? Mm. I know you can. I've heard you teach on this. <laughs> right, right. I'm, I'm sorry. I, that's a glimpse behind the curtain, y'all. I have heard Nate talk about discernment at length. So you all may already know it, but I would love to just hear him give us a little. I was just getting ready to say I'm really not the one to talk about that. Um, yes, you can, are. If I can remember <laughs> what kind of talk I gave. <laughs> I really hold discernment as just a, a posture of open hands. Mm-hmm. Like, like I have lots of good opinions, or opinions I think are really good or ideas, but in the end, I don't trust that I know what's going to be good for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think of discernment as just a, a, a waiting, mm-hmm. a gentle waiting for clarity. And there's a freedom in that. I don't have to manage my life. I don't have to be slave to my own desires, but to hear from God, if God happens to have an opinion. 
Um, and I, I think God doesn't always. Sometimes discernment leads to y- you choose. <laughs> mm-hmm. But sometimes it does lead to clear direction. And, and I love when they're facing difficult decisions or unknown places or even, you know, simple, small ones to just invite God into that space. And, uh, you know, I think God smiles with that. I think there's an openness that delights God in that. Mm-hmm. And it is a, you know, saying no is difficult, but saying no to good things is especially difficult. Mm-hmm. And this has been such a life-giving space for all of us. So to pause and, and yeah, it seems yeah. healthy. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. I mean, we're just to say it's, it's no comment on our friendship. Can we just <laughs> can we just make that point clear? We haven't had some oh, right, crazy yes. arguments that means we're <laughs> putting the phone down right. on, on the conversation because we certainly aren't. But no, it's we, we we just need to pull back a bit and without going into the whys, each of us have got these particular challenges right at this um, you know stage. So. Um, but we look forward to people keeping in touch with us and we'll still be reading mm-hmm. emails and um, we look forward to hearing from everybody. So, Absolutely. Do. I do think it bears repeating that saying no to something good is hard. And this is what people ask us about mm. so often. How do you, how do you set boundaries? How, well, not without grief, yeah. mm-hmm. not without struggle. So, so there, there is no easy path. If someone tells you that you simply need to state your boundary, mm. they're only giving you step one. Mm. So maybe you do need to state a boundary, but, mm. but you, we work these things out, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't work them out alone. We work them out together, mm. doing what's best for one of us, but is only good for one of us is actually not good for any of us. Mm. We, we, we do our best to go forward helping one another, right. preferring one another. In fact, you know, when we started these conversations, I think that was one of the things that we said was that we, we wanted to try having a conversation among three different friends where we modeled preferring each other mm-hmm. instead of clamoring to get our say. And it's one of the reasons I so treasure the two of you is that you'll say, well, what do you think? Well, what Mm. do you think? And nobody Mm -hmm. holds back. We're all willing to say what we think. Well, thanks again for listening to another episode of Friends in Formation. I encourage you to check out our website at renovare.org. You can find the main podcast and series of articles and other resources. All of our past podcasts, uh, Friends in Formation. There's a bunch of really good ones. 